Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. Today, you're listening to Talk Therapy, a short segment of the show that releases at the beginning of the week to allow space for God to move in our heart and speak into our lives. As y'all know, these episodes are normally about 10 minutes or less, but today I have a special guest on this segment, and so we are going to go just a tad bit longer, but I promise it will be worth it. So let me introduce you to her, and then we'll jump right in. Uh, Emily P. Freeman is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, podcast host of the popular show, The Next Right Thing, and a curious listener dedicated to helping you create space for your soul to breathe so you can discern your next right thing in love. Emily's also a co-founder of Hope Writers, and that's a community of working writers dedicated to helping you make progress as you learn to balance the art of writing with the business of publishing. So welcome to the show, Emily. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Yeah. And um, hey, before we jump in to what we do want to talk about today, I want to ask you, what's one random thing about you that I didn't just read on your bio? Well, one random thing, it's not super random, but I went to school first to be a piano major, study piano, and then I transferred to a school to become a sign language interpreter. And so both things with my hands, but kind of opposite music and then sign language. But that's something that a lot of people know, but a lot of people don't know. I love that. Do you still do either of those things? I still play the piano, but just for fun and enjoyment. Um, And then I really don't use the sign language much, except there's one cashier at my local Target who's deaf. And so if she's working that day, I try to go to her line and I can chat it up with her, but not that's more just conversational. It's not really in an interpreting setting. Yeah, I love that. That's another gift of communication, if you will. Those are cool, fun facts. Okay, so here's why I brought Emily on to today's part of the show, you know, where we do more of a therapeutic approach. And that, and by that, I just mean, instead of giving answers, we're more talking about things that allows you listeners to kind of process as we're speaking. And so one of the things that I'm sure many of you listening have listened to Emily's podcast, but Emily, I'm sure people have told you this before, your podcast is therapeutic because of your voice. Have you been told that? (laughs) A couple times. Yeah, like really it is. It's like, oh, I mean, you could just listen in and the the sound of your voice is just very therapeutic. And so whenever I was talking with Emily beforehand about this, I wanted to talk to you about writing as therapy because you and I met through Hope Writers. I am on the Hope Writers team and um, we've, we've met through there and you are obviously an author. You've written several books. How many books have you written? I've written five. Five. Okay. Yep. So I want to just talk to you a little bit about writing as therapy. So I'm curious, how um, have you personally always loved to write? I have always loved to write, and I never really counted it as something, quote unquote, real. When I was a kid, I just did it for fun. I thought everybody liked writing as much as I did. I would write short stories and long stories. They weren't necessarily very good, but there you go. And I loved it. It was really life-giving for me. But then when I grew up and kind of went to school and college and all the whole thing, I never, ever thought of writing as something that I could do professionally or in any organized capacity, but it has always been how I process the world. Okay, that's cool. So now I'm curious, you are a professional author. How do you now find time to write just for enjoyment? I have to work it into like, for example, I work it into my morning routine where I I just, lately it's been a little wonky, uh, to be quite honest with you, because um, with this pandemical situation that we all currently find ourselves in, um, my morning routine has been a dumpster fire. But one thing I have held on to is that little piece of writing. And I'll do even sometimes 
Rachel, honestly, sometimes it's just like one or two lines a day. But um, lately I've been writing haikus, which is really random, but just to process like my day and the life and like, okay, I can do five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables, and then I move on. Um, But it really is a part of that morning routine. And if I don't work it into the morning routine, then I probably, I probably won't write that day for personal purposes. It'll probably have to wait till the next day. Okay. And for someone listening who maybe doesn't know what the haiku is, can you talk about that? That sounds like a practical thing somebody could do. Yeah, a haiku. I mean, I don't know like all the all the really technical details of it. All I know is it's like a little fo- form of poetry. And the rules of a haiku is that the first line is five syllables. The second line is seven syllables. And then the final line is five syllables. Um, and so it's just a five, seven, five pattern. And that's the rules. And sometimes when I feel a little untethered in my own life, it helps me to um, actually the creativity helps if I have a a few boundaries in creativity. Um, and rather than just like, here's a blank page, just write. It's like, well, maybe I just need to approach it with this 575 boundary and then be done. And I have found lately for me, that's been really helpful. Okay. I'm actually going to apply that because I love what you just said, boundaries and creativity. I feel like that almost makes it to where it just is more manageable I'm a listener of your podcast, and I think the one you released just this week, you were talking about something along these lines of that we're all just feeling a bit overwhelmed, decision fatigue, you know, and like any way we can make things a little more simple in our life is better. When you say you do that, um, do you just write anything random at all? Or is it like actual things that are happening in your life? What does that look like for you? For me, well, there's no rules, but for me personally, it's in lieu of writing a whole page of a journal of like what's happening or what I'm thinking about. I just put it in haiku form and then I'm done. And that's kind of how it's been for me. But I have found that we often have this misconception that creativity means like there's no rules and we get to just create whatever. And um, I saw an interview with Lauren Michaels, who was the creator of Saturday Night Live years ago, who said that he really enjoyed um, creating content for network TV because there were a lot of rules. There are words you can't say. There's a certain type of humor you can't engage in. And he thought that it was sloppy creativity to, you know, like to just be able to say anything or do anything. He liked the fact that he had to work within the boundaries of the network TV rules in order to create content that was, you know, appropriate for that, for that format, which I has always stuck with me, you know, that, that, that the boundary created room, it gave reason for creativity. Mm, I love that. I love that your immediate answer to me, you said, there are no rules. I needed to repeat that for myself and for the listeners, because I do see that. I see that in art therapy as well. People will, resist doing it because they think if they don't follow a certain format or, you know, something like that, then, you know, and, and that can just kind of squash the whole purpose of doing it. Now, when you write for just your own sake of enjoyment, are you using pen and paper? Yes. I almost always use pen and paper. Um, it's funny because, because I, yeah, there are no rules except within the boundaries of the haiku mm-hmm. <laughs> for that, yeah, sure. you know, so it's yeah. like, there's a little bit of boundary, but then within that you can do whatever you want. So it's almost like, it's both and. But for me personally, when I'm um, writing just for the sake of my own self, I prefer to write with a pen and a journal with lines. Thank you very much. But then there are sometimes, Rachel, one exception is if I am trying to process an on like an ongoing transition that I'm going through, like, for example, when my husband left his job, he was a pastor for 12 years and he transitioned out of that. This is years ago. 
I created a document on my computer because I couldn't write fast enough. It was frustrating for me to have to process that transition. So, so I did it on my computer, a document, and I typed out kind of the ongoing experience of that from my end of it. Um, and that just helped me. And now I go back and I look at that document and I even have added to it. And that kind of is a certain type of journaling for me, whereas the daily journaling I do is always with paper and pen. I love that. Now, do you have you heard any scientific facts behind using a pen and paper? Like anything that's happened? I have, but I don't know any of them. Okay. I know. I was <laughs> but thinking, I, I really feel like they're out there. I'm I like, do. I know I've heard something, but I don't have them in front of me. So we're just going to say there are some facts out there if you want to <laughs> Google them and look them you up. You know, someone who does know that does know that really well is Allison Fallon. And she writes, um, she talks about a regular practice of writing um, is good for everyone. And I think sometimes we get in this idea like, oh, if you don't want to write a book or if you're, if you're not a writer, quote unquote, if you're not any good, whatever, then writing's not for you. But in fact, um, she talks a lot about, so you can Google Allie Fallon. She talks a lot about how the habit of writing, like the physical act of writing is, is so good for us as human people to express ourselves that way. Even if it's just for us or just for our children, it doesn't have to have this end goal. This this giant, you know, thing. Yeah. So why do you think more people don't write? I think writing is, uh, we have ideas about what that means. I think we uh, are afraid of what might come out. We're afraid of what won't come out. And we have ideas about you don't write unless you're good at it or unless it comes naturally. Um, and so I just think that if you talk to people, a lot of people, there's statistics on this, Rachel. I don't know what they are, but they're really high, somewhere in the like 80 to 90%. People say, you know, one day they could write a book or they'd like to write a book or they have a book in them, quote unquote. Yet if you look at the statistics of the people who actually do it, it's much lower. And so I think there is that um, there's an intimidation factor there. There's a lack of knowing what it takes. There's a lack of knowing the practicals. But more than anything, I think it's just fear that keeps us from kind of putting words to a page. Yeah, that's so good. Do you think that everyone is actually called to write a book or do you think that there's this burning desire in us? of we just need to release our words somehow. And since we're not even doing it in the everyday practical, maybe we all feel like those words that what you just mentioned that I think I should write a book. Like, What are your thoughts on that? I do not think everyone's called to write a book. I think probably half the people who have written books maybe could have done it in a journal instead. Yeah. Um, but having said that, um, I think that the reason why maybe people think they have a book in them is really what they mean is they have a story in them that they want to come out. And sometimes that story might look like a book. That's the most natural thing we think of. But sometimes it might look like um, gathering your kids around at night. It might look like an essay or an article, a blog, an Instagram feed. It might look like a podcast. There are so many different ways to express ourselves, but we don't always know what those are. Or if it feels like a story, then we think, oh, that equals book. And sometimes it might, but it won't always look that way. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that because writing books is really hard. So yeah. I'm glad to know there are ways to write, um, that don't have to mean one certain format. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I recently found this book at Costco, but it was titled all about mom and I purchased it and it's been very therapeutic for me because it's I'm filling in the blanks for my kids to read later so like mom's favorite things or story about mom from her childhood or whatever and it is you write you know you're using your hand and it's just prompts but it's something my kids it's a book my kids will get to have generations from now that I actually wrote in and anyway it's a cool way to get 
story out. And so that's kind of my heart behind this whole writing thing is that I really agree with what you just said, that just because if it never makes it into print does not mean that it doesn't still need to, you know, get out some way, you know, in, in whatever way that looks like. And that can be actually therapeutic to write it out too. Absolutely. It can be. And I think I, I wish that everybody knew that and would engage in the practice of writing just for the sake of it. And even just to dabble or to play. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also really cool to look back at old journals. When I find an old journal and I see what I wrote about or that God was doing in my life at that time, that's so cool. So um, any other practical tips? You're, I know one thing I love about you is you are Mrs. Practical, I feel like. Like, okay, here's the next thing you should do. So if somebody's listening today and they're thinking, man, I really, I don't do much writing, but yeah, I think I would like to. What, what's a practical next step they could do? Well, I think that, first of all, if you're someone who's like, oh, like, for example, journaling, a lot of people are really afraid or intimidated by that. And they have like, you know, hundreds of new journals with one page filled out. Number one, I would say, don't buy a new journal, just pick up where you left off. If it was five years ago, it's still part of a story because it's you, it's your life. And so there's no behind and your pace is your pace. And I think that's something that we often feel like, oh, well, if I, I didn't do that I'm not good at it. Or if I didn't do that as a kid, then I can't pick it up now. Yeah, you can. You can pick up anything. It's never too late. But secondly, I would say one reason why I think writing can be therapeutic and also is it's a way of, of focusing your mind on something, which um, someone once told me that you can't do balancing poses like in yoga or in Pilates or something. And also be anxious at the same time because your mind is so focused on the balance that it kind of helps the anxiety go to the back seat. And I have found for myself, um, now some people say, well, writing causes me anxiety. But if you can get past that initial intimidation of a blank page and just kind of go into it knowing that this doesn't have to be good, it just has to be written. For me, that can be similar to a balancing pose where it's like it, the anxiety goes kind of to um, the back seat. I remember when my kids were really little, I had twin girls and a, and a son. And so we we had three kids, three and under, all in diapers. It was just insanity. But a few years after that, when our son was maybe two, the girls were however old they were when you add two and a half years. Um I started working on a book proposal for my first book. At the time, I didn't know that's what it was, but it was I was a book idea. I was working on it. But I also, underneath that, had been really struggling with a lot of like postpartum, just kind of like mom, young mom anxiety and just kind of fear. And I don't think we always know to name it that, but that's kind of what it is. It's just kind of this underneath um, feeling of like I'm doing something wrong, I'm messing someone up, I'm late, I'm whatever, all the things. And um, But I started working on this book proposal and about three or four months into it, I realized I was not experiencing the anxiety to the degree that I had been. And it's because I had shifted my mind into something. I was It was like a deep work practice. I was practicing something. And it wasn't really about the book or the content. It was the practice of writing. It was the practice of pouring myself into something um, that just kind of got my mind off of the fear that kind of followed me around. It didn't go away completely, but it did ease it a lot. And so that was extremely therapeutic for me in those days. And I've never forgotten that. And I sometimes still practice writing with that posture of if I'm feeling afraid, sometimes it just helps to write it down and to write it out. Yeah. So what would you say then right now what we're going through with this whole pandemic? Do you think people should be writing through it? Well, I would I wouldn't use the word should, but I would say that is one invitation. I think people, um, if, if you have a sense of anxiety that's living just beneath the surface and you can't seem to shake it, um, I would recommend that you try writing it down. I think that the 
misconception, it's very counterintuitive to to write it down and to face it because you think like, oh, I should, I shouldn't feel anxious or afraid. So therefore I should do something that's going to get rid of it. But in fact, I have found in my own experience that looking that fear in the face and naming it and calling it out helps it to lose some of its power. And for some of us, writing is a great way to do that. I love what you just said too about you don't think they should, but it's an invitation to, because that's even a good way to flip it on ourselves too. Not I I should write. It's, oh, that's an open invitation if I would like to do that. And if it feels, you know, good to my soul, then that's a good thing. What do you think about people um, starting blogs to do some of these things? Is that along the same vein of possibly writing a book or what, what do you think about that? I think anytime we do something new, for me, it's helpful to answer the question, why? And so when we're journaling, it's very clear. Usually that's for you. That's for your children, maybe later. When you move into the the realm of doing something in public, the question then becomes, why a blog and not a journal? And there's no wrong answer. But I think it's important to ask the question. Because if you write on a blog the way you would write in a journal, but then you get angry when nobody reads it, then you might have to ask yourself the question, well, if my purpose of starting a blog was to journal, then I should have journaled. But if my purpose of starting a blog is to connect with a reader, then I need to approach the work differently. And so I think that question of why the format I'm choosing is so important to answer first, because that's going to help you with your expectations when it comes to the outcome. Oh, Emily, that is so, so good. I know that that helped Uh, totally just clarify for some people today. Let's just take that right in then to the last thing I want to talk to you about. And that is hope writers, because you are so good at this kind of, you know, writing and, and giving advice on this. So you are a co founder of hope writers, which actually is open for membership this week as this airs. Can you just tell everybody a little bit about hope writers? I would love to. Hope Writers has been around almost five years now. We started it as just kind of a little idea of like, let's talk about writing with writers. And it's turned into this thriving, beautiful um, community of writers. We have over 3,000 writers who are part of the community. And really our whole goal, our whole core focus is to help writers make progress as they learn to balance, like you said earlier, the art of writing with the business of publishing. We often find that writers, um, they know a lot about one, but maybe not a lot about the other, or they're interested in one, but they don't know anything about the other. And we found that writers who who make progress and meet their goals in writing, whatever those goals are, are generally the writers who have a good understanding of both the art and the business. And that is for writers who are really learning to pivot from that maybe private journal writing, which is so valid in and of itself. And I think that if all you ever do is write privately, that's a beautiful practice of writing. But for those writers who do want to pivot from writing for herself or himself to writing for a reader, that's where Hope Writers comes in. Because we love to to kind of walk with writers along that path of making that pivot. Because there's, I mean, Rachel, you know, there are a lot of question marks. There's a lot of things you could Google Um, There's a lot of fear and anxiety and not knowing if you're following the right advice. And so we really love and hope writers to curate um, people we trust, training that we trust and have curated and have created as well um, so that writers can know, okay, here's where I am on the path. And these are the things I've already done. And here's where I'm going. And one of the things we find, and, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, is just that a lot of writers, as they try to make progress, they're doing all the right things. They're just doing it in the wrong order. And it can be really frustrating and debilitating. And then you think like, I'm not cut out for this because it's not quote unquote working. Um, well, first of all, define what working means for you and don't let the world define it for you. But second of all, no, you're doing great. You're just trying to do 
a stage four thing when you're really only at stage one. And that's what we help writers to understand. Yeah. And I have to tell you that I was a Hope Writer member before I became on the team. And guys, it, it is seriously the most supportive community in the internet and hope-filled community. And I can say that with full confidence. And so if you are you know, don't want, like Emily said, thinking of going from that stage of, you know what, I'm just journaling, but maybe I would like to, you know, figure out who my reader is and figure out, you know, what's next here. Absolutely check out Hope Writers. And I actually created a pretty link that if you want to go take a 30 second quiz to figure out what Emily just talked about, about which stage are you in there, um, it you can just go to rachelgilbert.com forward slash Hope Writers, and that will be in the show link as well um and you can figure out where you're at and it's the, the beauty of that then is wherever you're at that's where you start in the the vault of all the teachings and you can you know just it'll help you get started so emily thank you again for taking the time to come on today to share your wisdom and um yeah you guys just be sure to tune in again on wednesday for another special guest interview here on real talk with rachel